Psalm 24. <laughs> God is good. God is good. Father, we thank you for your word, and we're just going to continue in our worship. Lord, worship is not songs. Worship is a lifestyle, and it's 24-7 in our lives. It should be as Christians anyways. And we all fail. We all make mistakes. We all put it in spiritual neutral. But Lord, we want to be in drive this morning. We want to be moving up. We want to be more like Jesus. So I pray for the gift of teaching. And Lord, as we go over your word, uh, there's a lot of needs in this room. You know every single need. You know if uh, we need to be rebuked, exhorted, challenged, encouraged, whatever the case may be, comforted. You know that. And so, Lord, use your word this morning to meet that need. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Psalm 24. Now, we're going through the Psalms. We're going to do all 150 eventually. And in Psalm 22, 23, and 24, they actually form a trilogy. Trilogy. And we took note of the fact that Psalm 22 explains the crucifixion hundreds of years prior to its invention and actually the crucifixion of Jesus. Psalm 22 showed us that. It shows us that our chief shepherd died for his sheep. And then we looked at Psalm 23. And we see that our chief shepherd lives, cares, and provides for his sheep. And now in Psalm 24, we are going to see the chief shepherd. And as I say chief shepherd, if you've been here, you know that's Jesus, as Peter pointed out. He is going to return in glory and reward his sheep for their service for the kingdom. That would be you and me. Now this psalm might have been written when King David brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. We don't know exactly when it was written. Might have been then. And you'll find that in 2 Samuel 6 and 1 Chronicles 15. And historians tell us that this is a psalm that was psalm because the psalms are songs. That this song was sung every Sunday in Herod's temple and was possibly being sung when Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem on what is commonly known as Palm Sunday. You know, there's some ifs there, so we wouldn't be dogmatic about it. Psalm 24, a psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. The world and those who dwell therein. For he, notice the capital H, God, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. You see, since God created all things, he would be considered the supreme ruler and owner of all things. Now, we all own things. I'm sure every one of us in this room owns something. And when somebody messes with that, we typically don't like it, especially if it's precious to us. It might mean nothing to anybody else, but it's something, maybe somebody gave us something. It's, it's not extravagant, it's, but it's precious to us. Don't mess with that. The Lord owns everything. So even what I own, we learned this a long time ago, so it's easy to let go of things. There's the emotions there, you know, when you have a car wreck or something, like, oh, man. Well, God, it was your car anyways. Sorry, I just did that. Hope you can fix it. You have to get that mentality because it is all his. And that doesn't negate responsibility. We should obviously be responsible for everything he gives to us. Because again, we're, we're not the owners. He's the owners. He's just lending it to us. So we should take care of it. Now, obviously, all of creation has not subjected themselves to him. But one day they will. 
notice all and all its fullness. It means entire contents. In verse 1 there, and all its fullness. In the Hebrew, that means entire contents. Entire contents. Let's look at Matthew 13. Matthew 13, 47 through 50. And again, if you're new or visiting, we always have a slide up where you can find it. We really encourage you. If you don't have a Bible, uh, pick one out of the chairs below you. They're, they're on the bottom. If you need one, just look around. Get to know your Bible. It's so important that you know your Bible. Even as we were with this family last night. It's heart-wrenching when people don't know their Bible. You need to know your Bible. Young person, junior high, high school, you need to know your Bible. I received Christ as a senior, 17 years old, and I started reading the Bible at 17. I have not stopped. I'm not going to stop. You should not stop, no matter how old you are. You never retire from reading your Bible. Exhortation for you older saints. Never stop reading the Word of God. Matthew 13, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind. Here Jesus speaking to his disciples is giving them an analogy of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, which when it was full, they drew to shore and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. So obviously this, this physical analogy would have rang in their minds. Several of them were fishermen. They understood even those who are not fishermen, they would have gotten the picture because they would have seen the fishermen doing these things. So Jesus or any rabbi would always take and use a physical analogy and then they'd swing in a spiritual principle. And that's what Jesus does here in 49. So it will be at the end of the age. The end of what age? The end of the tribulation. The end of the seven years. Judgment. Also at the end of the millennial reign of Christ where there'll be the final judgment. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus spoke often about hell and there are many Christians today that deny there is a hell. Even Christian, supposable Christian pastors that will deny there is a hell. A loving God would never do that. And they are correct with that phrase. A loving God does not send anyone to hell. We choose to go there ourselves. Because God is constantly, as we have studied in the Psalms, all of creation speaks of God. Well, I don't believe there is a God. That doesn't matter. All of creation is crying out, there is a God. If you don't want to believe that, that's your choice. Don't put the blame on God. God is constantly, even with the situation yesterday, we, we heard a testimony right there about a neighbor who shared the gospel with this young man. God is always reaching out. We might not see it. We might not think he, he is. But when it's all said and done, if you're here today and you don't have Jesus as your Savior, when you stand before God and say, well, you never, he's going to say, well, yeah, there was a knucklehead on Sunday morning, August 6, 2017, and you didn't bother listening because you had it all together, didn't you? So don't blame me. You didn't receive my son. And you didn't want to receive my son? Depart from me. You're wicked. That's your choice. And that's the simplicity of the gospel. Now, if you're here and you want to receive Jesus, you can do that. I'm not asking you to join Calvary Chapel, but you can receive Jesus as your Savior, and you won't hear that at all. The choice is yours. Free will. 
I would encourage you to make the right choice because there is only one right choice. So David here back in the psalm makes a general comment that is easy to make. When you really think about its ramifications, though, you will find yourself worrying less and praising him more. Worrying less and praising him more. Why? Because the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. It's all his. So if it's all his, why do I get so wrapped up? Why do I allow the enemy to deceive me? You know, Colossians 1.16. Let's look at Colossians 1.16 and 17. And we'll throw up a slide as you're turning there. So if the earth really does belong to the Lord, why do I allow the enemy to deceive me into believing that he will not be able to provide for me? Why do I allow that? It's not like back in the 70s, that popular show where one of the, the main characters used to always say, the devil made me do it. No, the devil didn't make you do it. You chose to do it. The devil tempted you to do it, but you did it. Stop blaming the devil. Don't blame God and don't blame the devil. Step up, be responsible, be mature. Colossians 1.16 says this, For by him all things were created. Notice the capital H there. That means God. Specifically, we're going to see that it's Jesus. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and are on the earth, visible and invisible. Even angels, even the fallen angels were created by God. So you don't ever equate Satan with God. It's not a spiritual battle who's going to win. No. Michael the archangel would be the best, you know, as far as evaluating Satan. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and, what does your Bible say? For him. I thought it was about me. I thought it was all about me and what I can get out of this world. No, you're thinking wrong. They were created for him. And as he lends us these things, he allows us to do certain things with them. We can hoard them and keep them to ourselves, whatever those things may be. Talents, finances, gifts, whatever it is, we can hoard them or we can put them in a jar and put them on the shelf and say, I'm not doing anything because nobody appreciates it. So I'm not going to do anything. Or we could get the jar down and use our talents, our gifts, our abilities, whatever that may be, for the glory of God and he will reward us accordingly because it's all his anyways. And all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, notice this, him, 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 God, God, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And in him, all things consist. So if the Lord wants to take all things away from us, which I hope he doesn't, but if he does, we are of that mindset. Well, it was his anyways. He was just letting us borrow and he sees fit to take it away. So there must be something else he wants me to do. Praise you. Praise you, God. Because you're a good father. You have a plan and a purpose. So David here back in the psalm just makes this point. The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. Verse 3. Who may ascend into the Lord hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Selah. What do you think about that? You see, the first time David tried bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, 
He placed it on a cart. He placed it on a cart. And this was incorrect according to the law of Moses, and it cost Uzzah his life. Uh, you can check out the story yourself. David learned very quickly the seriousness of God's holiness. And so he went and searched the scriptures and found out that the Levites were to carry the Ark of the Covenant on poles on their shoulders. They themselves were to be holy or set apart for the service of the Lord. And so David asked a simple question. Who can approach or stand in God's presence? This is such a holy God. And as David was bringing the ark to Jerusalem, he did it with pure intents. It wasn't because David was in sin. It was because David was presumptuous and didn't go to the word of God and do what God had prescribed for the ark of the covenant. So David learned from the word, repented, and did it, and then brought the ark into Jerusalem the right way, the way that it was ordained to be. So who can approach or stand in God's presence? Answer, he who has clean hands, which is basically speaking of righteous conduct. Righteous conduct. He who has a pure heart, which speaks of godly character. Godly character. You see, this is not talking about salvation, which some people will then, religiously, will try to work it into salvation. It is not talking about salvation. For no one apart from Jesus has ever been absolutely clean and had a pure heart. I believe personally that this is talking about sanctification. That cleansing process that the Levites had to go through in order to carry the ark. It wasn't just like, hey, I'll carry the ark today. No, 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 no. You were, it was a very specific assignment, and you yourself had to be cleansed ceremonially. Today, the only way to become clean before God is to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. You see, He then makes us clean. God's righteousness is a gift. If you're here today thinking that I'm going to be religious and I'm going to get to heaven through my religiosity, I just want to tell you the truth, you're going to hell with your religiosity. You cannot get to heaven by being good. If you've sinned once, which I know all of us have because we were all three years old at one time, that negates you. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go work in the nursery. You'll find out real quick. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and gives us a desire for a pure heart, that, that being more like Jesus. Now, he gives us that desire. Now, whether we act on that desire or not, again, is self-will. If I don't want to be more like Jesus, I'm not going to read my Bible. If I don't want to be more like Jesus, I'm not, I'm just going to come on Sunday mornings and no other time. If I don't want to be like Jesus, I'm not going to pray. If I don't want to be like Jesus, I'm not going to meditate and memorize the scriptures. I, you know, it's me. It's about me. Yeah, I'm going to go to church. I want to have fire insurance. But I don't want to be more like Jesus. Okay, well, then you don't have a pure heart. But the more you seek Jesus, your heart is going to become more and more pure. You see, David saw this in the life of Jacob, referenced here in verse 6. This is Jacob. You see, Jacob was far from perfect. He was a deceiver, a conniver. But he did seek after God, and his name was changed to Israel. And there's various definitions for Israel. But when you get those definitions all together, and you look at simplistic terms, it's God prevails. God prevails. I mean, that's what it means. God prevails. So are you and I, are we allowing, as David had to allow, as David had to learn, and as we sing a song sometimes, I surrender all, 
Are we learning to do that and allow God to prevail in our lives, over our finances, over the way we run our house, over our job, over whatever it is that we have? Are we allowing God to have control over that to keep us in that proper perspective? You know, I have to do this on a regular basis, and Claudia reminds me of this on a regular basis about keeping my priorities, you know, the ministry, the family life, uh, my, my private life, social life, getting away, you know. We have to do this. You have to do this. You've got to find that balance because it's easy to get out of balance. And sometimes there's a season where it will seem that you're out of balance. We've had some seasons where we've had to get out of balance to pay off debt or whatever the case may be. But we knew it. We acknowledged it. We saw it. And we said, okay, we're going to get back as soon as we can. And we've actually set parameters on that time of being out of balance, so to speak. We've said, we're only going to do this for six months. And whatever happens, that's it. We're getting back to what we need to get back to. So only you can control that. Because the world will try to press you into its mold and try to get you to do what it wants you to do. And at the end of the day, you're 65, you're exhausted, you're like, great, these are the golden years. I worked for 40 years, worked to death, and now I feel like death. So it's you. You have to set those parameters. And as you do that, God will take care of the rest. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. You see, when Jacob finally allowed God to be his savior, he then received the true blessings of God. I mean, he was blessed. But he started to truly understand God's blessings and walk in those blessings. And it's the same for you and I today. You see, once a person receives Jesus as their savior, they freely receive the blessings of God. Well, what are they all, you know, that, oh, house, car, oh, wow, I get the blessings of God. No, you don't understand the blessings of God. Those are not the blessings of God. Those just happen to be a blessing of this life. Second Peter 1, 1 says this, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us, the exact same faith, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. What are the blessings of God? Yes, they are those physical things. Yes, those are blessings. But there are, there are so many people that have so much stuff that are going to hell. They do not know who God is. Now, God's trying to reach them, but they don't know who he is. So can we say, yeah, if you have all of those things, you are blessed of the Lord. No, you're just blessed of this world if you have everything and go to hell i wouldn't call that a blessing if you have nothing at all and go to heaven that's a huge blessing so it's really about what it's about knowing god and allowing the holy spirit through the word of god to give us wisdom on how to live this life notice what it says here has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness well how do i talk to my teenagers about social media open your bible well, I don't read my Bible. Well, then maybe you need to read your Bible and show your teenagers that the Bible is important to you and that God's word is important to you. We've had teenagers, four of them. I'm glad they're gone. Praise God. But we had them. And the way that we discuss things is we sat down, we opened the Bible, and we said, this is what the Bible says. A month later, we'd sit down, open the Bible. We'd say, this is what the Bible says. Now it didn't change. But if I just shoot off at the mouth a month later, 
I could then be shooting off at the mouth again and our children are going, well, that's not what you said last month. That, that's not what you said last month. But you know, guys, when you just stick with this, they can't say that. And if they're reading it, allowing the Holy Spirit to convict them, then they can just go, you're right. I need to turn off my phone. I need to be a part of the family. I'm sorry. I'm selfish. I'm self-absorbed. You can admit that as a teenager. We all know you are. Because we've all been there. And some adults, unfortunately, are still self-absorbed. By this have been given to us, so as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us. Notice what's been given to us. We don't earn it. We don't have to work for it. It's free. Been given to us. Exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. You guys? Do you hear that? Did you read it? Do you truly understand that? Mormons. Oh, you can be a God. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I can't. No, no. There's only one God. You're not it. God's it. Jesus is it. Holy Spirit. No, there's only one God. There's other religions that proclaim you will become a God. They're lies. It's all lies. There's only one God. But here in this one verse, do you even see this? That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. I'm not going to become a God, but I have God dwelling within me. That none of these other religions acknowledge or can say. I literally, you literally, as a believer, have God dwelling within you. Most of us don't understand that. Comprehend that, appreciate that, think about that. But that's reality. Because we know ourselves and we think, well, no way, God dwells within me. I mean, look what I do. That's beside the point. you just got to stick with the facts. And as you stick with the facts, you're going to allow that divine nature to take over control of the fleshly nature. And you're going to become more like Christ, more like Christ, that sanctification process. You're going to slip up. I'm going to slip up. Till the day we die, we're going to slip up. But at least we're becoming more and more like Christ each and every day. More and more like Christ. You young people, start now. Don't wait till you're 40. Don't think that you have to build a testimony. Because you are building a testimony. My wife has a phenomenal testimony. Didn't drink, didn't do drugs, didn't do sex, stayed pure. We've been married 37 years now. Phenomenal testimony. So build your testimony. Don't think you got to do all kinds of goofy stuff to build a testimony. You're building it right now. You make it the testimony that the Holy Spirit wants you to make it. A pure testimony. That you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped. Notice what happens here. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Through lust. And lust is just evil desires. It's that desire for what I can't have. That is lust. Oftentimes we think of lust as sexual. It can be sexual. But it can be very physical as well. You just you know you have that desire for what you can't have. I can't afford the brand new car, but boy do I want the brand new car. I know I can't afford the brand new car, but boy do I want that brand new I got to have that brand new car. And you just think about it. You're lusting after it. You've allowed that to become a desire that you don't you got a fine car now, but it's got to be that brand new car. So just so you understand, it's not always about sex. It's through whatever replaces God. And just that constant drive, that constant desire. i got to have that. i got to have that. i got to have that. No, we've been delivered of that through the Holy Spirit. Not through ourselves, through the Holy Spirit. 
But do we allow the Holy Spirit to actually deliver us of that? Psalm 24, 7 through 10. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? David knows, but notice the capital K. He's not speaking of a little K. Is it going to be my son? He's not thinking physical. He's thinking spiritual. The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord in battle. And notice there again in your Bible, it's all capital letters. The L may be a little bit larger than the other three, but they're all caps. That's speaking of Jehovah, Yahweh, Father God. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Now, are these inanimate objects? Is David suggesting here that they're literally going to do this? David is not suggesting that. But David is expressing in his exuberant praise for the ark coming into Jerusalem. He's just very, very expressive. I am never this expressive. That's why I read the word of God. This is not me at all. But I love reading it. It's like, wow, I would have never thought of that. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? So again, now David repeats himself. He says it in 7 and 8, 9 and 10. He says it a little bit differently, but he's repeating himself. What is he doing? He's emphasizing. Anytime you find repetition in scripture, especially this close, it's emphasizing something. There is a king of glory. I'm not it, David is basically saying. Even though he had so much in his lifespan, in his lifetime, in more than probably any of us will ever have in this room, people could have said, well, David, you're the king of glory. I mean, look at all you have. No. No. Who is the king of glory? He answers it. The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. He is. Not me and my physical things that are all going to pass away. No, he is the king of glory. You see, again, in these last four verses, five times we see that God is called the king of glory. And when Jesus returns to reward his servants, the scriptures tells us that one of those rewards will be a crown of glory. Now, I'm not exactly sure what that means. But whatever it means, it's hard to imagine from this earthly perspective that we would receive such things. But God's grace is inexhaustible towards his kids. And the king of glory who we now know is Jesus, he is coming to bless us throughout eternity because he's already won the battle over sin at Golgotha. And he will take us through every battle that comes our way as we sang those songs in the very beginning. I hope you really appreciate this isn't filler time so that everybody can trickle in. Well, we got we got to waste a half hour because people show up late. So let's just sing some songs. That's not it at all. I encourage you to be on time, to come early, and to read the songs, to sing the songs, to meditate upon them, and to make these songs as you look at your week, this past week. I mean, I had no idea what songs they were going to sing, but after last night, I'm not an emotional person. That is very unusual what happened this morning to me. But after last night, and then coming in and singing these songs, it was like I, I couldn't control it. So you get out of church what you put into it. If you just want to drop the kids off and come in at 25 after, okay, that's what you got out of music. Whatever. But if you drop the kids off early and get in here with anticipation of, hey, God, I want to meet you. I need to hear from you. God will talk to you even through the words of the songs. 
It's not how they play. Well, they were off key a little bit. That, you're missing everything. That's not it. Get over that and get your eyes on the word and allow the words to, to tear your heart apart, to open it, to, to surrender, to acknowledge you are my foundation. You are my cornerstone. What about these other souls that are going to hell that don't realize these things? God, what can I do this week? As you allow the Holy Spirit to do that, the Holy Spirit will do that. You see, there will be one final battle that Jesus will fight, but it won't be much of a battle because the enemy of gods are going to come against him and with his mouth, with the breath of his mouth, the scriptures say, with the breath of his mouth, the enemies are going to be defeated. Jesus is going to speak. Battle's over. That was pretty hard, wasn't it? That's all the battle is. So do you really know how big your God is? You know, one last thing before we leave these verses. The current eastern gate in Jerusalem, which we are going to go. We did pick the dates. If you want to go to our website, right now we're just inviting people to see if we have enough people to even go. We're looking for 24, minimum of 24. And we'll actually go to the eastern gate on the Temple Mount. So the eastern gate, the current eastern gate in Jerusalem, also known as the beautiful gate or golden gate, was actually built in the 6th or 7th century. Because when Rome came in 70 AD, they took every stone from the Temple Mount and pushed it over. But when they built this new gate in the 6th or 7th century, it was then sealed up by the Muslims in 1541 AD. 900 years later. And this sealed gate is not the gate that Jesus would have walked through. But the gates that Jesus walked through are literally just below these gates. So they are the eastern gates. They're at least in the position of the original eastern gates. And Jesus would have walked through those eastern gates. Well, the the Muslims sealed up those gates so that in their thinking, they would be able to stop the Jewish Messiah from coming through those gates. You see, they believe that the Jews have a Messiah mentality, otherwise they wouldn't have done it. And they actually believe that it could be a possibility, otherwise why would they do it? So let's just seal up the gate with 16 feet of concrete, and that way the Messiah will never be able to come through the gates. And so hence, we've stopped the Messiah from coming through the gates, so we nullify their prophecies. Not very bright when you think of, let me see, what? The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. Oh, 16 feet of concrete. I wonder how I can get through that. (laughs) Duh. It's also, when you look at Ezekiel, it's not going to be the new temple. and Because it says that the new temple, it gives it dimensions. It's going to be much, much larger than what we have currently now. So don't get hung up on the eastern gate too much. Um, Some people will really get ramped up about it and talk about all the prophecies in Ezekiel. There's a lot of problems with those prophecies in Ezekiel. If you try to make it fit that Jesus is going to come through those gates and the Jews have to have the Temple Mount and they have to open those gates and blah, 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 blah. They also, the the Muslims also place a cemetery right under the gates so that the Jewish Messiah would never walk through this now defiled area. Again, that's not a problem for Jesus. It's not a problem at all. So again, don't get hung up on all this YouTube stuff sometimes. You might want to stay off of YouTube because I hear all kinds of crazy stuff about YouTube. Um, A lot of it is just garbage. They're not reading from Genesis to Revelation. They're pulling a few verses out of context. They're screaming about it and crying about it and yelling about it. And it's like, come on, let's get back into reality here. 
And as you do that from Genesis to Revelation, it's easy to just look at this and go, this is so ridiculous. Why waste my time watching it? It's not true. So know the word, and then as you know the word, you can sift everything else out. And it's very, very quick, so you don't waste that watching that video for six minutes. In the thir- first 30 seconds, you go, bogus, click, stop. Okay, I got better things to do. Don't fill your mind with trash. Fill your mind with the word of God. And as you do that, you'll be able to filter out all the rest. Father, we just thank you and praise you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. And we thank you, Lord, that your son is coming back. He is coming back. And Lord, your word says that in the last days, men's hearts are going to be failing them for the trials and the tribulations that are coming upon this earth. That violence would be upon the face of this earth in dramatic proportions. Lord, we're seeing it. North Korea, Iran, Russia. It's absolutely crazy. But we know your word says that these things must come to pass. So Lord, give us wisdom as believers as we walk down this road. Give us wisdom that we might be found faithful in doing what you call us to do in our workplaces, that we would be the best employee on the job site, that we would be the best manager the company has ever had, that we would be just so faithful with all of our belongings because you're just lending them to us. They're all yours anyways. You can take them away if you so choose. Lord, help us to keep that proper perspective that we will acknowledge you are the king of glory, that you are the creator of all things, and that you hold all things together, even our lives. Father, help us not to believe the deception that the enemy tries to plant in our minds that you're not there, that you're not going to meet us, that you're not going to take care of us. Father, I pray for the next generation as they are swallowing hook, line, and sinker, the deception of social media, and that their whole life is in the balance because of social media. Father, open their eyes and help them to realize life is way bigger than social media. You know, as the saints are praying, I'm going to pray a prayer and maybe you're newer visiting and we're glad you're here. But I want to pray a prayer because again, you're not going to have any excuse before God. And so if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior this morning, whether you're in junior high or whether you're 80 years old, If you would like to receive Jesus this morning, just pray this simple prayer. There's people around you who love you and are praying for you right now. They're praying for the spiritual battle in the heavenlies that is taking place right now over your soul. Just pray this simple prayer. God, I really don't understand a lot about Christianity. But I do understand I'm a sinner. 
and that I need to repent. I need to get right with you. And so even as we've studied this morning, God, I I desire Jesus to become my Savior. So I ask Jesus right now to come into my life. God, I freely invite your Holy Spirit to come into my life right now. Again, I... I really don't understand that, but you'll, you'll help me. You'll teach me. I just do it out of obedience. Because you love me. And I really do love you. Thank you that I can now call you Father. My Father. Who's in heaven. The creator of all things is now my dad, Abba, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, as we go out into our mission field, help us to be obedient. Your word says that you've already ordained good works for us to walk in. So help us this week to be in prayer, to be in your word, to be open to your Holy Spirit, to be ready to stop and to share with someone to be wise in our, in our decisions that we make. Help us, Father. We want to be faithful ambassadors for you. So bless our week. Keep us focused. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand, guys? Have a blessed week. A lot of things going on, so check out the bulletin. Check out the website. Again, we have a new website. Give us input. God bless you guys. If you need prayer or if you receive Jesus or you would like more information, please come up. We'd love to share with you guys. God bless you. When he shall come with trumpet sound When he shall come with trumpet sound Oh, may I then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone faultless I stand before the throne Christ Savior's love through